It's the interview with Melissa and David with Don McClain. We have, uh, this, this Can't is, believe this. This is huge. Welcome to the show, Don McLean. Don McLean. Good Lord. Thank you. I'm glad to be there. Hey, now I've got like a million questions, but I'm just going to go ahead and just get the, the elephant out of the room. How's the weather? <laughs> Where I am? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm in the desert in California. It's perfect weather. It's about 100. Oh. Sun's out. Right. Perfect. Fruits on the trees. You have got a ton of stuff going on. And, I mean, let's just get to it. The song, American Pie. One of the greatest yeah. songs of all time. And I'm not just saying that. I no, mean, literally. Everybody. It is like one of the top five songs Thank of the you. 20th century. Mm-hmm. And something like that, Just does it just drop out of the sky on you, Don? Or did you have to work on that song for a long time? I got the first part right away. Uh, I sang the first part right from a long, long time ago to the day the music died. Exactly like you hear it. I into a tape recorder and then uh, came up with a chorus later and then about three months later I just wrote I think five more verses and um, I had a bunch of other things I was thinking about and crossed them out didn't like that so um, you know it it wasn't going to have a happy ending Mm -hmm. so you know I I had some different endings for it but um, yeah it's it also immediately became a sensation Mm-hmm. It was, uh, and still is. I mean, it was recently yes. uh, done with this group called Home Free. They're an acapella group. And uh, the video version of this song was number one on uh, the Taste of Country videos for eight wow. weeks. They also used it in the movie, was it Black Widow too, right? Yeah, apparently there's a lot of stories about that. I haven't seen that movie, but I'm definitely going to. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently they use it in a very uh, good way, I was told. Um, doctor, Literally, doctoral dissertations mm-hmm. have been written about your song. And at, at one point, do you have to pinch yourself and say, is this true? I mean, your song is a cultural icon, not only in America, yeah. it's transcended America in the entire world kind of sees that in context of American history now. At what point do you pinch yourself? Well, it's grown, you know, over the years, and I've kind of grown with it. So, um, you know, the Smithsonian has it in there, the recording, and um, all these different wonderful things. I had very low expectations for myself. I was just hoping to be able to make a living and maybe have a little house somewhere and um, some land. You know, I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting to be uh, uh, having this kind of thing happen to me. But um, the album was very successful. Many songs on the, every song on the album is known. People know The Grave. They know Babylon. They Mm -hmm. know Vincent. They know uh, Crossroads. They know Winterwood. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, lots of famous songs. And then I made more albums. And the Tapestry album had Castles in the Air and I Love You So. So all of a sudden I was, you know, making songs that stuck around. Right. They weren't just played and forgotten. And I know you get asked constantly, I'm sure, about, okay, this particular line in the Mm -hmm. song, like, I've always understood the marching band refused to yield was the Beatles Sgt. Pepper era. But so many people have so many different things that it means to them. Uh, what's the silliest... Well, there's, a, there's a documentary movie that's being made now about the song and the making of the song and I am contributing to this but uh, a lot of fun things are in there. I I think I gave a really good interview for the first time about each verse of the song. Oh good. And what I was thinking and how I was making this happen. It operates on a number of levels Mm -hmm. and um, that's kind of how my mind works too when I write. 
because, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of things at once. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'll be fun for people to watch who are interested in the topic. Well, can you uh, can you tell me what, uh, <laughs> what the marching band refused to yield was, or do you, you want me to wait till for the documentary? I have a feeling he's wanting you to wait. <laughs> I think I mentioned something about that in the documentary. Okay. You'll be able to hear where I got that idea okay. from. I love it. <laughs> hey. I was telling David, though, like that song, and you know this because I'm sure people have told you this, it, you know, it just kind of goes over generations because the way I hear it is different than the way David hears it. So have, has anybody ever told you anything weird about it? And you're like, no, that's totally not Very what I weird. mean by that, you know? Well, I, I kind of think of it like Alice in Wonderland going down the rabbit hole, you know, all <laughs> right? of a sudden up is down, down is up. And uh, and I think a lot of people did writing along those lines. Donovan, you know, yeah. had some songs like Sunshine, Superman. Man and things like that, and uh, the Beatles, of course. So it wasn't, you know, unprecedented, but we were all writing good music back in those days. There was mm -hmm. a lot of competition, you know. Your peers make you competitive. Yeah. And so when you have Paul McCartney in his prime and Dylan and uh, all these other people, all these other groups doing really good things, it spurs you to compete and right. to do a better thing. So, and, and the other nice thing about it was in those days, um, the more artistic something was, mm -hmm. the more the audience liked it. Um, so you could go in that direction and, and have an audience. They loved the English language in those days. So right. words meant something. Now, like... Uh... Correct me if I'm wrong. You wrote Crying, right? No, Roy Orbison wrote Crying. Okay. Um, I, I also sing other people's songs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and two, I had a big record with Crying, and uh, that was sort of the beginning of Roy's comeback. That was 1980, 81, yeah. and Roy was in full, he was uh, fully back, you know, at the, around the time he passed away in the mid-80s right. after the Wilburys and... Uh, that wonderful song, uh, You Got It, you know, that video. Yes. Roy was amazing. He was so controlled and very, very perfect. I, I, everything, he, he always was perfect. He, right. he never really varied. He sang, you know, Pretty Woman. It was exactly the same every night. It was mm -hmm. exactly like the record. Wow. And he had that high note that looking at him, you would never expect mm -hmm. that voice to come from that man. Beautiful voice. Now you wonder, Don McLean, oh gee, one of the great, literally one of the greatest songs ever written in America. Mm -hmm. What do you do now? And I see a kid's book. Yeah. This, this is, cool. is gonna be wonder. The children's book, American Pie, a fable. This has got to be exciting for you, huh, Don? Yeah, this is a, basically um, kind of my middle-class childhood as a paper boy, and um, some very talented ladies uh, worked on this, and a real good designer did the stuff, and uh, they put my name on it, but really I just told my story, and they translated it into this fable. And uh, there's also, where I just had a Zoom call with some writers. Uh, they're working on some kind of a musical Broadway type thing which um, you know will, will be American Pie and will have a lot of my songs in it and again the story and uh, of America and hopefully it'll be something that'll be uh, you know well it's very difficult to do. it's a very long shot you know because it's expensive to mount and you don't know if it's going to succeed and right. so it's, it's a long shot but they're starting on it now and you're also getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame Ooh. look at that look at you yes, fancy uh, Don April, how did all this happen I mean, <laughs> 70, all of a sudden 
I had a career. I don't know what happened. Everything's happening. I love it, though. This is so awesome. If you're just joining us, we are incredibly honored to have Don McLean, uh, among so many other things. Oh, yeah, he had this hit, you know, a couple of years ago, this little song called American Pie. Uh, I'm sure they told you, Don, you can't play an eight-minute song on the radio, dude. Well, I just did the song. I did the album. I, I had complete control over what I did. Nobody could tell me what to do, and that's the way I like it. Yeah. And, uh, and then the record company just went ahead and cut it down to a three-minute single, and it, it shot to number one in two seconds. It was the most amazing thing. I was very exciting. You know, I, I don't remember a lot from 50 years ago, but I do remember <laughs> how fast that went to start. Right. I, yeah. did, I didn't remember that there was a three-minute, a short version mm-hmm. of that. I always thought, it even... Yeah, the- that's the one that scored right away. Okay, and then people got real interested and said, mm-hmm. oh, well, we want to hear the rest. Then they heard the album version, I guess. Yeah. Well, I got to say, what am I all time? That sold a lot of albums. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you that right now. Because it's the only place they can hear it sure. all in one go. They didn't have the technology in those days, um, you know, for it to be on one side of a single. So you had to buy the album if you wanted to hear it. Everything that I did uh, in those days, when a third album came out, it was called Don McLean had Dreidel on it, If We Try. Mm-hmm. Songs that were turntable records that weren't really hits. But all three albums were on the charts at the same time. So, I mean... You can imagine, I'd worked for 10 years as an opening act in, in nightclubs and coffee houses mm-hmm. and stuff, and all of a sudden, this, uh, and it was worldwide success. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just in the United States, it was in every country. So I started touring the world back in 1972, and probably did at least 20 world tours, if not more. Well, I sat in... I don't know if you know of it. In New Orleans in the French Quarter, there's a bar called Pat O'Brien's. They have two guys that play piano and they sing along. I was sitting with a friend from South Africa. They played American Pie and my friend, a South African, knew every word and everybody in the place knew every word and when you think of the context of that do you have a sense of where you belong in the context of the american culture or do you leave that to everybody else to decide do you see that from the outside looking in or from I don't, the inside? i don't really think about myself all that much there are a lot of more interesting <laughs> subjects than me or my music um but i sort of look at it in amazement as how this song and Vincent and the American Pie album have become icons of some sort. The cover of that record is probably one of the most famous covers ever. The thumb. And, um, you know, wow, who would have imagined? You know, because, like I say, we were all competing, trying to do the best we could. And uh, But I was lucky. I, I ended up being signed to a record, a label called Meteorts Records. They were a small record company, but they were owned by Alan Livingston. Alan Livingston ran Capitol Records. He was a really, really great record man. Mm-hmm. And he loved me and he believed in me. And he's passed away now, but he's the reason why the Tapestry album looked like it did, that beautiful blue cover. And then the American Pie album, that cover. He knew how to create works of art, you know, and he made Capitol Records uh, into the record label that it was. They signed the Beach Boys and Sinatra and the Beatles and the Kingston Trio and people from every area in the 50s who were dominant and commercial. And he knew how to create uh, an image for somebody. It's an art form, you know, running a record label, and he knew how to do it. Who who do you put on the turntable when you want to listen to some good music? What's your go-to, Don? Oh, I... I'm very, uh, very simple. Um, I stopped being a fan probably 
around the early 1980s, I had pretty much everybody that I really liked had sort of cycled out of their their major period, whether it was the Stones or whoever. And um, then people start being repetitive, and um, so I just stopped, you know, and just worked. Played, sang, wrote, made records, did, did different things. Um, so if I listen to something, I'll go back to um, you know a Beach Boys album, or uh, I like bluegrass music. I listen to Flat and Scruggs, or I listen nice. to a Sinatra record that I might like. Uh, he made beautiful albums, uh, beautiful recordings, you know. Or I'll, I'll, I have obscure things that I like also, you know, blues guys and uh, Muddy Waters. Uh, All the good stuff. There's a particular album. That I like is just called "I'm Ready," which mm-hmm. um, was produced by uh, Johnny Winter. What? And I like that album a lot. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but you got good taste in music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm all over the place with, with my taste in music. But I know that uh, we're running out of time, and we're going to wrap things up here. But we will just keep you forever. We will. But I, I do have one question, though, because you're like the ultimate songwriter. So if there's a songwriter out there that's listening, is there any piece of advice that you could give them? I have some advice, yes. Um, find a good transactional lawyer that <laughs> right? can tell you uh, what it is you're signing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because lawyers are employed by your enemy, usually. Yeah, you're absolutely So they want to snag you in some kind of a, a contract that you can't get out of. What you're a, a lawyer. A 12-record deal, what? <laughs> your lingo will tell you what it is you're, you're getting into. The other thing I would say is a songwriter and a singer, and I am both things, mm-hmm. is only sing what you believe in and that you really love. You know, you'll, you'll, you're here. I don't care what it is. Only sing the song that you have in your heart that you want to sing. Don't, don't sing something you don't like because you think it's commercial. Or, and the other thing is don't write anything unless you have something you really have in your heart that you want to say. There's no point in putting drivel out there. There's a lot of, of terrible lyric writing that I see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just garbage, basically, that's stuck to some kind of a rhythm track. It's yeah. just, you know, and don't do that. You know, think about what you want to write, have something to say, and let it go. Let it come out of you. You know, sing it into a tape recorder. And that's how American Pie happened, right? That's how I do it. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I, I still do it that way. I've got a, I've got a new album that's going to come out this year, and I've written all the songs during the pandemic, and uh, I'm back to doing that the same old way. Do you have a name for it yet? Yeah, it's called American Boys. Wow, that is so cool. But you heard it here first, folks. Can't wait to hear it. I know, I know, <laughs> we're pressed for time. We run over a little bit, but I just wanted to say thank you for for letting us call you and and talk to you about. Your music and you and your career and all that good stuff, man. I, I, this has been an honor for me. I know it's well, been an honor for David as well. Oh yeah, thank you. That's I, I really appreciate that, and and thank you very much for saying it. And it sounds like you're having a good time down there. So keep on having a good time because that's what you got to do. There's enough trouble in the world. Have fun. Perfect. Thank, thank you. you so much. You're wonderful, and this is an honor for both mm-hmm. of us. Absolutely. Thank you. I got to take this dog on call now. I'm sorry to have to get off. The no, phone that's now. okay. No. Thank you for all your time. Thank you very much. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Melissa and David Show.